I was watching the people getting pictures. So if, if today you're visiting, or maybe here with family, I don't normally give that long of a break there. But I wanted everybody that was getting pictures to get their pictures in. And then we'll be able to do it afterwards also. So if you haven't gotten your pictures taken yet, uh, you can definitely do that after the service. Make sure you get that, that photo taken and we'll get that to you. Uh, it's a lot of fun though. And I also, I've told this to you a lot of times before. When I see you guys talking out there, it's hard for me to pull you back in. Because I truly believe that church happens what happens outside these walls. In other words, my prayer is that you're getting to know each other, whether it's through community group or maybe just getting together at the park with your kids or maybe grabbing breakfast or lunch together. And then that's where life is. And so then that way, when we go through trials or troubles, we have friends uh, and community and family. And so it's hard for me to pull you guys back in on an average normal Sunday because I love seeing you guys talk. That being said, we got to get started here. I know some of you have reservations and, and, and you might, you might need to sneak out early if I go too long. So I want to keep that in mind, um, but I'm so excited that you're here this morning celebrating with us. Uh, we we have uh, been praying this week for God's word uh, to go out and to be something special and important to families, especially, but to each one of you. Um, and and I, I do want to wish just a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are here. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're so glad that you are the person that you are. And, and again, some of my favorite people in the world are mothers of children who invest well in them. And I see the gospel coming out daily. So praise God. Uh, I thank God for my uh, mom, who was in prayer behind my life uh, for a long time, and uh, after 20 years of, of working at Costco Wholesale, when I stepped out 10 years ago and became a pastor, she had been praying for me. Uh, my wife, of course, praying for our kids. Some great examples uh, amongst you guys, too. So, happy Mother's Day. We love you guys. I want you to know that God loves you, uh, that, that your value is not just that you're a mother. That's just part of who you are. The value for each one of us sitting in this room is that God created you exactly who you are and he loves you and, and you have value because of that. And I want you to know that. So each one of you should hopefully leave here feeling encouraged and loved because that would be my goal for today. We are in first Samuel. We're preaching through first and second Samuel. Um, and, and, and this has been a great study so far. At least I'm enjoying it. Lessons from leaders. We're going to see leaders who are leading well, and we're going to take some notes of what they're doing, and we're going to become better people because of that. We're also seeing a lot of things uh, out of the leaders of Israel that are, are not so great. So we're taking those and we're flipping them. How can we do better than they did? Uh, and we're learning from that too. And I really love that the Bible shows both sides of the coin. Uh, the Bible doesn't just present perfect people and say you need to live up to the standard. But the Bible says these are people and God loves people. And when we fail... Right, God brings a fresh start to our failures. I know that I've experienced that in my life, uh, and and maybe that's resonating in some of your guys' hearts. When you go through a failure, when you go through a tough time, uh, when you you just don't quite things don't go quite as you planned, and then God gives you a fresh start, and it looks different in each one of our lives. Can't really write a book about it because for every single person that I talk to, it looks a little bit different. But we can know, we can see God's faithfulness 
from Genesis through the book of Revelation, we can know, we can trust, and we can believe that he is good and that he's going to bring that fresh start uh, for some of us, it happens a little quicker than others. And for some people, they might wait for it a long time. And yet God's faithfulness uh, is is still there. And so we're in uh, Samuel. That's a narrative, uh, which means it's telling a story. If you remember really, really early on, we talked about when we're going through these stories, we want to look for a couple of things. Who God is. Right? In the story that we're looking at. Okay, who is God? What is he doing? What are his attributes? All those important things. So who God is uh, and what truths are we able to learn? We can see, we can glean, right? And we can see in our own lives. The second thing is that we look at how God and humans interact in regards to that particular truth in that story. Uh, and so we're in a narrative part of the Bible, and, and we're just going to preach through the entire book, looking at this entire story, looking for God's hand in that. Now, the context of 1 Samuel, if you haven't been here uh, and you don't know 1 Samuel, that's fine. But to, it started out um, where God had put judges and priests over his people. And he said, I'm going to be your king. And uh, over the last few weeks, we looked at that, especially that God says, I am going to be your king. I don't want you to be like the rest of the nations who have a man as a king, but I'm your king. That was all the way back in Deuteronomy, right around the time of the Exodus, when they, the children of Israel left Egypt to go to the promised land. God said, I will be your king. And yet, just like humans, that wasn't enough. They wanted something they could see, something they could touch, something tangible. They weren't satisfied, and they started demanding for themselves a king. Again, if you know the story of Israel, this is kind of that repeat cycle, right? We, 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 and we'll get to that a little bit more, but things are going well under God. We start being tempted by the world. We want something different. God gives us a warning that, Hey, there's consequences. Don't do that. But then we push forward anyways, and then we fail. Uh, we have consequences for that failure, but God's faithfulness continues. That's really the story I'm telling today. It's a story I've told quite a bit over the years, and it's a story you're going to continue to hear because that is what we do as humans, and, and it's kind of crazy. And so that's what we're seeing here. Saul has been selected as a king. Okay, so again, I'm trying to catch up a few of you that maybe haven't been here before. We know that Saul's been selected as a king, and Samuel, the last priest, is kind of on his way out, meaning ruling priest. He was the one that kind of was between God and man. There was no king at that time. So what we see in chapter 12 today, all of this building up to this, Samuel is going to give kind of an exit interview, and then he's going to address the people uh, of Israel. He's going to address the people. The scene is this gathering of Samuel, of Saul, and, and then the Israelites. And it's kind of going to take on almost like a courtroom atmosphere to start with. Samuel's going to invite evaluation of his conduct. Okay. He's going to ask the people out there, judge my conduct as a priest who is called by God. And then he's also going to give an evaluation of Israel's conduct. Uh, and this is going to close, this chapter 12 closes the period of governance by judges, uh, the way that God intended to lead his people. And, and it caps kind of this six chapter transition to a monarchy, uh, which will be Saul as a king. Now it's going to leave us kind of with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Again, we'll get to that at the end. Uh, but what is Israel 
going to do, even though they're coming through this time right now of sin and rebellion by demanding a king, even though that wasn't God's intention for them, God is going to give them the king and he's going to give them a fresh start, right? And so today we're going to see that God brings a fresh start to our failures. God brings a fresh start to our failures. Now, over the years, personally, there have been seasons where I don't feel close to God. And, and, and I believe, like I believe my faith is solid. I, I don't doubt God, but I don't feel close to God. I, I, I feel far from him. And, and I think I can live there for a while. Like if I'm not getting up in the morning and I'm not praying or worshiping God or, or reading, um, you know, if I'm not doing those things, I can get through a couple of days. But anything after that, man, the, the relational closeness starts to suffer. And I start feeling like, wow, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drifting here. I mean, there's, there's something wrong here. Now I can, can, I can point to things that contribute to this happening, to this feeling, things that I've started identifying, stuff that you would obviously know also. Am I spending time in prayer? Am I spending time in his word? Right? Am I worshiping on my own? Right? Is there, is there a part of me that's still serving? Right? Because we were created to serve people. So am I, throughout the week, am I serving? Am I serving my family? Am I serving at work, even if I'm the boss? Am I serving in my community? Am I serving when nobody's watching me? Um, those are the questions we need to be asking ourselves, right? Um, because we need to be living this, what we're doing here on Sunday, we need to be living throughout the week in our community, right? What's going on in our, in our community? And, and so there are times in our lives where I, or my life, I should say at least that I feel distant from God. And, and, and if, I, if I'm talking to somebody, I'll use that kind of a word. Like I don't feel close to God these days. And, and, and so today, as we look at this passage, there's a couple of questions that may resonate with you. One is what is the status of my standing with God, the father? This is really, really important. If you're taking notes, write this down. If not, just make the mental note of it. This is a question that you need to have an answer for each one of you who's sitting out there today, especially if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to be able to articulate what it means to have a right standing with God, especially in light of feeling a distance from God sometimes. And, and we'll get to that a little bit more. I know I'm promising a lot down the road, but we need to, we need to know the answer to this question because this is some of the most important information as a believer that you can know and grasp and understand is the information surrounding your right standing with God. The second thing, the thing that affects the way that we feel sometimes and our engagement with God and how close we feel to him is how am I investing in or damaging my relationship with God? And those are two separate questions, right? We need to, we need to be able to be clear about that. My status of my standing with God is one thing. And, and the way that I feel and my relationship with him is a, is a different thing. So we want to keep both those things in mind today. We'll kind of see it in the story and we'll wrap it up at the end. Uh, how God loves to bring these fresh starts 
to our failures, to our times of dryness. Maybe your relationship, you're just not feeling the closeness to God. God is a a God of fresh starts, and he wants to bring that opportunity to you. So whether the failure uh, was big or small in your life, if that's keeping you from engaging with God in the close, intimate relationship that he wants from you, I hope today that you feel that you, you, that you leave here with the truth that God does still want to engage with you on that. So let's jump in to chapter 12. We're going to read here. This is Samuel's exit interview. And Samuel said to all Israel, behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now behold, the king walks before you. I am old and gray and behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from a man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. So Samuel wants to leave with one more opportunity of talking to and engaging with Israel. He says, what have I done you know, what I've done what you've asked. I've given you a king. But now on the way out the door here, I want to talk to you about my time, my kind of reign, for lack of a better word, what I have done here. Now, remember, God didn't want a king for Israel, but he did okay it. He let Samuel know, and he even picked Saul to be that king. And Samuel carried out what God had allowed him to do. And he had done that throughout his entire time. The book of Samuel starts with him as a young boy serving in the temple better than the reigning priest, Eli. And that had continued throughout his life. So he says, I'm old and I'm gray, right? And my sons are here with you. He's kind of talking about like, I'm getting older. My, my boys are here. Um, my role as judge is ending. My sons are with you. And I think in some of that, we, we know from the story, what we've already seen, his sons weren't really leading the way that they should have been. And, and so he probably has a little bit of disappointment in that. And he probably is saying like, my sons are with you. Like they probably even wanted the king. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things where he's not only di- identifying that his boys are there, but his sons did not follow in the path that, that God would have had for them, uh, to become priests. And, and, and so he says, my sons are with you and they're part of this mass that has gotten together and asked for the king. So Samuel then invites this evaluation. Here I am. Testify against me. What have I done to you? What have I done wrong? right? It's probably a rhetorical question. Samuel knows because of the grace of God that he has done everything that God has called him to do. He is, he has ruled over the people. He has led the people, I should say, in a way that honors God. But he asks the question so that the people would state his innocence. You have done what God has called you to do. 
Remember, before we had uh, examples of, of priests taking bribes. We had examples of priests stealing from God, right? The, the offerings that should have been on the altar to be burned were being taken and eaten. Remember, uh, remember it described Eli's death as a large man falling off of his, his seat and breaking his neck. Right? He had been consuming too much of God's goodness and God's food. He had been stealing that. So here we see Israel stating Samuel's innocence. As we turn to the hearing, uh, the testimony against Israel in this courtroom style setting that I had talked about, keep note of Samuel's invitation of self-evaluation and also a desire to make it right. Samuel wants to finish well. And a lot of times we talk about that, how rulers don't finish well. And here we see a godly example of Samuel wanting to do that. Now, it's Israel's turn to take the hot seat. Samuel's going to tell a couple of different stories here. And as we read verses 6 to 11, listen for this sort of pattern. They're going to start out by crying out, right? We're desperate for you. And then God is going to be faithful to help because he loves his people. And then what they're going to do, we see the but they, then they drift. Then they rebel. Then they move away from what they just asked God to do. So he, that's God there, allows for them to experience consequences and accountability for the choices that they have made. We're going to see two different uh, stories where this takes place. I'm going to read some verses here, quite a few of them, and then we'll take a look at these verses once I get through them. Starting in verse 6, and Samuel said to the people, the Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I might plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he has performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made for them a place to dwell in this place, right? We see the oppression. We see God's deliverance, but what happens? But they forgot the Lord, their God, just what we were looking at on the last slide. And, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And, and they fought against them. So again, there's a consequence to the outright rebellion. They're being oppressed in Egypt. What started out as a good thing. They went down there during a famine. Then Egypt decided, hey, we like these people. We want them to do all our work. So then Israel cried out to God and then Moses and Aaron came down and they were able to escape and they went into the promised land and then they said, yeah, this isn't good enough, right? You see this pattern. Let's keep going though. I wasn't even supposed to talk there. I got to keep going here. Verse 10, and they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served, served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies. Here they go asking again, right? That we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hands of your enemies on every side and you lived in safety. A, B, right? Here we go. Those C's coming up. 
And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said, no, but a king shall reign over us. Again, so quickly to not trust their God, right? No, we need a king. When the Lord your God was your king, and now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. Israel cries out. He comes in and delivers. Then they rebel. And then there's consequences, and yet God's faithful to them, allowing them to go through this. Two occasions we see Israel's sin and God's faithfulness, right? The pattern is repeating, and it's not just these two times. It's throughout Scripture, and if we're honest, for a lot of us, it's in our lives, right? I hope that's ringing true for some of you today, because that's what was ringing true in my life. So we see this pattern, Right here, we, we kind of did some highlighting this week. Pastor Brian, if you haven't met him, Brian Bruyer down at the other campus, he and I are preaching today. So we were working on this and he wanted, he's like, Mark, we got to put some color up on the screen. So I said, okay, let's throw some color up. The end, he didn't show up very well and I knew that it wouldn't, but he wanted to show, right? They cry out, right? The fathers cried out to God. So what does God do? He sends Moses and Aaron. The exodus happens. Man, as a, as a nation, shouldn't that embolden you to trust God? This is an incredible story. If you haven't read it, go back to the book of Exodus and read. This is really cool stuff. But what do they do? They forget the Lord their God. Ah, oh, man. Ah, oh, man, how could they do this? And yet, when I was praying over this passage this week, how many times have I done that? Right? I see God. I see his faithfulness. He provides for me. And then I turn my back on him. I, I look away. I say, the world is offering me this. It's enticing. I'm tempted to be short with my family, to live in anger, to be upset with somebody. Right? I mean, so it, I, I get upset at Israel. I say, how could you do this? Look at these stories. And yet, if we're honest, we do this ourselves, right? So, but they, they forgot the Lord their God and boom, he sold them into this, into this pattern of, of pain and destruction, right? And yet God's faithfulness continued to be there with him. Let's go to the second slide that we already have read through. They cried out to the Lord again. And the Lord sent everyone to help all these leaders, right? Ending with Samuel, right? So he's talking about himself, me, I'm here. And you said to me, no, I need a king to reign over us. Again, God had brought him to a great place, safety, security. One little thing happens. They push the panic button. We need a king just like everybody else. And so God sets a king over. Israel repeatedly drifts away from their loyalty and their obedience to God. Believed and chose their own ways over God's ways. And ultimately forsaken their God. And yet for a lot of us, that's our Christian life if we're not careful. A lot of times it's not one specific choice that we make to turn, it's a slow drift, right, away. But God, even though Israel repeatedly did these things, God repeatedly does his things, and he is faithful. Look at what he does. He rescues them, right? 
Armies and kings can't do what God had done for them. The stories that those people had lived through that we look back on now in history are incredible acts of God, right? God lets them, uh, or he rescues them. He also, though, lets accountability take course. There's consequences that are going to happen for Israel, and there are consequences in our lives. When we choose to rebel, when we choose to sin, when we say my way over God's way, there are consequences. And we see that throughout these stories too. But we also see that God repeatedly demonstrates his faithfulness, his kingship, even once the human king was placed there in their failures. He does not lack in faithfulness because of their failures. God will not be faithful, will not not be faithful to you because you have failed him. God brings a fresh start to our failures and he's going to do that for Israel. He hits that reset button, right? He wants to give them a fresh start. Verses 14 through 25, the end of this chapter starts with, if you, Samuel is going to leave, leave the people with information. If you, and we'll read it here in a second, and then he'll say, then God, right? A reminder of God's ultimate power and authority and faithfulness and goodness. If you, then God. So let's read through the end of the chapter here. We're going to see this demonstration of God's power and his authority. If you will fear the Lord and serve him, taking mental notes, fear the Lord, serve him, obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord. And if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord, your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is, uh, is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourself a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all of our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver. For they are empty for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. 
but with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. We see here at the end of chapter 12, Samuel, at the end of his reign, giving the children of Israel uh, some, some stories from their history, reminders. And then he gives them a warning here. You have two different routes you can take, right? Have you ever, you ever been on a road trip, right? And, and, and you get to a place and you can either go right, you can go left. And maybe one takes a little bit longer, but the other one, uh, you know, that goes a little bit quicker, maybe it's not as beautiful. And so you got this decision to make. Which way do I go here? Well, our life is full of those. There are a lot of times in our lives, it's not a right and a wrong decision. It's a right and a left decision. You can go left. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. You can go right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. But there are decisions and there are consequences even in good choices, not always, you know, there are consequences even if you choose something that's not sinful. And, and so here, Israel is given two different routes. So kind of like you're on the road trip. You got two different routes you can take. If you fear him, serve him, obey him, follow him, all those things we saw at the beginning of these verses, what does Samuel say? It will be well. Samuel has given the blueprint to the Israelites in these verses. If you're a highlighter, highlight that. If you fear him, serve him, obey him, follow the Lord, it will be well. Now, he never promises it'll be perfect. You're still going to go through tough times. You're still going to have failures in your life. But God is faithful and will continue to be. Right? And even though the, the, the healing, even though the consequences might take a while, even though things will happen because of the choices that sometimes you make, you know that God will be faithful through till the end. Fear him, serve him, obey him, follow the Lord, and it will be well. But if you do not obey the Lord, Samuel says, if you do rebel, the hand of the Lord will be against you. We see this time and time again in the Israelites' life. Israel's positive response to this shows that they have even learned, right? They've learned. They, they see what they're doing even now. They say, we have sinned. And then they ask Samuel to pray for him. Right? This is one of those things where they made a really poor choice. And there, it's been a while. Samuel tried to talk him out of it. Samuel went before the Lord. The Lord finally relented. And now the king has come into place. They've set the king over him. So it could look like, oh, they're only apologizing now, or they're only seeing their sin now because they've already gotten what they wanted. Right? And yet, we still have to say, Israel is seeing it in God's eyes. And they acknowledge here we have sinned. And they ask Samuel to pray for him. And, and Samuel assures them of those gospel truths, those biblical truths that we talk about all the time. God is faithful. Right? And, and I love this. Verse 22. Let's look back at 22 just really quick. For the Lord will not forsake his people, he says. For his great name's sake. Because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. 
that that when I read that this week, I literally had to like stop in my tracks a couple different times, right? As I'm I'm pouring over this passage, this verse is becoming one of my favorite verses in the Bible because look at what it says here: the Lord will not forsake His people. Samuel is talking about the Israelites who have made a huge error. They've commanded for themselves a human king when God has said, no, I am your king. This is a huge sin, guys, right? But look at what, look what Samuel writes here and what, what God says to him. The Lord will not forsake his people, not because of what they do. So many of us try so hard to earn God's favor. And this verse screams at us that this doesn't have anything to do with what you're trying to accomplish, Look what it says there in verse 22. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. That is applicable to you and I today, guys. We want to strive to live like God has called us to be, to be little Christ, to look more like Jesus every day. Those are great things to do, but God doesn't love you and draw you unto himself because of something that you've done. And that's a healthy knowledge and truth to hold on to. So again, if you got your Bibles in front of you, at least put a little check mark by verse 22. If not highlighting it, go back to it this week. This is an important thing. If you then God, Samuel says, right? If you do these things, God will act this way. These are truths. And these are truths that are applicable in your and my life. And so as we're learning from these lessons from the leaders, right, we got to circle back here, right, uh, to, to the very beginning here, what we were talking about. When you ask yourself, what is the status of my standing before God the Father? Now, there may be a more succinct way to ask that question, but you get the, the idea here. If somebody asks you, or if you're processing in your own mind, my standing before God, what affects that and what is it? That is something that you and I each need to be able to answer. And I think it does, boil, we, can, we can talk about this for weeks, uh, but it boils down to this. If I were to die today, and I were to stand before God in heaven, and he were to say, Mark Miller, why should I let you into heaven? The response to that, the answer to that is, the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to my life. All the rebellion, all the sin that I have committed, you no longer see God because when you look at me, you see your son's blood that he freely gave on the cross, right? That application of the atonement that comes from the cross. And when Jesus was raised on that third day and showed the power over sin and death and hell and then promised for an eternity with God, it's not based on anything that Mark Miller does but that Jesus did it all and he paid the price on the cross for you and I. That is what I was talking about at the beginning. If you're thinking about the status of your standing with God, the Father, it has everything to do with him. And again, I think that that applies or that is shadowed there in verse 22. It's because God was pleased to do that for you. God called me unto himself. Right? And he freely gave me the gift of his son and the sacrifice on the cross. That is what affects my standing with God. 
And again, if you have questions on that, Pastor Dave or myself would love to talk to you today about that or maybe somebody you came with because that is all about the gospel message of salvation. That is putting your rebellious and sinful life on right with God because of what he has done. The second question though, that we've talked about, how am I investing in or damaging my relationship with God? That is the thing about what I was talking about when I was talking about feeling far from God sometimes. Some of you might be out there going, I don't even know why I'm here today. I believe in God. I believe what you just said. I I think I'm a Christian or I know that I'm a Christian, but I don't feel close to God. When I try to pray, it's dry. I, I can't really worship. I can't get into God's word. That, that is that feeling close to God, right? And that's what we have to continue to work on together. We know the theological answer for how, what is our standing before God, right? Jesus, the cross. You can't be far from God. Once you're redeemed, you're redeemed. His work on the cross he said, it is finished. It is done. And it's brought you into that right relationship with God if you've accepted that. But relationally, you may feel distant. But the scripture says that you are right with God. Romans 3, in verse uh, 23 to 26, says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, we all fall short. We all sin. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, the shedding of his blood, and he's freely giving that to you. Because of Jesus, we are right with God. This is the invitation that you have, right? Walk in a right relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And through that, we are given a fresh start. God brings us a fresh start to our failures. The good news is the gospel. So again, back to that second question. What what happens when I say I don't feel close to God these days? How can I work on that? Right? I started thinking even this week, probably because of Mother's Day coming up. Some of us don't have the greatest relationship with our mothers. That doesn't mean she's not our mother. Right? Right? Some of us fail to call our moms or stop in enough or, you know, bring them the right flowers or the right gift, or maybe we've never been enough for them, but that mom is still my mom. And you can apply that to any relationship if you, you know, but my point is that the relationship doesn't change, but the relational experience does. I need to adjust my behavior. If I'm distant from my mom, what can I apologize for? What can I take the responsibility for and move forward in? Can I call her more often? Can I text her? Do I visit her? Do I share in her struggles and her joys? Do I spend time with her? Do I ask? Do I support her? Do I listen to her? Do I ask her for advice? We experience relational closeness or lack thereof based on our decisions, right? Our behaviors. And it's no different 
when we think about our relationship with God. If God seems quiet to you, you may be in a place where you need to ask yourself, what are some of the things I can do differently? Because I'm telling you, God has given us his word, right? It's all right here. He's close to us. He'll speak to us. We can feel his presence. And sometimes we have to take the responsibility on ourselves. I may not feel close to God because I'm not putting in the time that I need to, to learn. Our sin interrupts the relational experience with him. Sometimes that can be the sin of omission. That's what I've been talking about. Just not doing certain things. And other times it might be a sin that you've committed. So again, how have you been investing in or damaging your relationship with God lately? I think we've looked at a few of those examples. And I want to invite you this week to do a self-evaluation like Samuel did. Ask, instead of the children of Israel, your family even, ask God, where have I been holding back in our relationship? Where have I stolen the ox, right? What have I done wrong to you? And then listen, because God will reveal that to you. When we mess up things, we need to cry out to God. Now, nothing that we do or, or have done or are doing, will do, can change the first thing we talked about, the right standing with God. And we need to know that. But just like with my mom, the relational can be affected. And so I want to invite you today to move forward in repairing that relationship with God the Father. God's motive is always love. He wants what's best for us. He wants to be close to you, but we mess things up. And the good news of the gospel is he's still right there waiting for you. He is faithful and will continue to be faithful. So as we go into this week, at the end here where Samuel said, if you, then God, if you fear him, if you serve him, if you obey him, if you follow him, he will continue on in his faithfulness. And that's the faithfulness that I'm praying you will see in your life even today. Would you pray with me?